bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, December 29th, 2020. Joining me on today's podcast is my partner, Rich Larson. Rich heads Novogratik's office in Toms River, New Jersey, and many of our listeners will know Rich or be familiar with his work, especially listeners who work in affordable rental housing. Rich specializes in auditing and consulting with public housing authorities, including low-income housing tax credit and nonprofit affiliates. Over the last several years, Rich has worked extensively with public housing authorities in converting their public housing units to a Section 8 platform through HUD's Rental Assistance Demonstration Program, or RAD. Rich is a co-author of the Novogratik RAD Handbook, and he's also chairman of the upcoming Novogratik 2021 RAD Public Housing Conference, which will be held in a few weeks, January 14th and 15th. We have a lot to cover with Rich, so if you're ready, let's get started. Now, Rich, first of all, thank you for joining us for the podcast today. Uh, Thank you, Mike. And I appreciate your being willing to wait a week <laughs> with the breaking news you had last week. And fortunately, the president did sign the bill yesterday. So we'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment. Now, as the leader of Novogratis Public Housing Authority practice, I thought it'd be great if you started off by just sharing with our listeners how public housing authorities have been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic and subsequent restrictions. Sure. Uh, As you know, Mike, we audit as a firm approximately 60 housing authorities across the country, and COVID has affected them all differently. Uh, COVID represented a huge change on how a PHA does business. You know, prior to COVID, everything a PHA did was in the office or in their building and face-to-face, and that all changed in March 2020. Today, PHAs are mostly virtual, no in-person dealings uh, with tenants or vendors, and many PHAs saw COVID. COVID really has an opportunity to modernize and better serve their populations. So some really seize that opportunity. And unfortunately, some, some have struggled and, and continue to struggle in this new environment. But, you know, I'm seeing things like Zoom meetings, commissioners having Zoom meetings open to the public. We see upgraded phone systems where now if I call, you know, the housing authority, I can get the housing manager on their cell phone in their house because they're working remotely. You know, they're using laptops, they're using iPads, they're doing virtual interviews with tenants, they're keeping information online. So it's been a pretty crazy last eight, nine months. And it's been exciting, exciting for the industry. So in terms of that, you know, you shared some of the ways which you're interacting with clients and how the public housing authorities themselves are operating, but how are they finding the balance between meeting the various administrative program requirements, making sure that tenants and staff are safe? I'm, you know, I'm thinking about issues yeah. like inspections and yeah. working with <laughs> populations like seniors and the like. It's got to be very challenging. That's right. You know, HUD funding comes with strings. And as auditors, I think we know that better than most. But I must say, I think HUD has done a a nice job of waiving certain program compliance requirements uh, to minimize tenants' exposure to COVID, employees' exposure to COVID. Uh, And as you mentioned, unit inspections is one of those areas uh, that receives significant relief. Uh, HUD has issued waivers on the timing of inspections, uh, and they also enabled PHAs to do remote inspections. So, uh, 
a tenant will take a housing authority issued iPad and, and photo and a unit, and it could pass inspection that way as opposed to employees having to be on site. That in itself was just a, a huge burden off the backs of PHAs being able to do remote inspections. You know, and additionally, PHAs are providing PP and E to their residents, to their employees. They've provided a lot of COVID education, just information through newsletters, emails, virtual meetings. There is a, a pretty good balance there. I think HUD has been very good to housing authorities and housing authorities in turn have responded pretty good to their tenants. No, that's uh, great to hear. There's been a lot of discussion about the CDC rental eviction moratorium. So let's talk about rental eviction moratorium for a moment. Now, the original CDC moratorium was set to expire this Wednesday, December 30th, and that has since been extended. I wasn't sure until yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> we knew the bill had passed to extend the date to January 31st by the COVID-19 relief and spending bill, but we weren't sure if President Trump was going to sign the bill or not, and he did sign it yesterday. So maybe you could share with the listeners briefly. We're not attorneys to discuss right, right. the details, but if you could just briefly share what the moratorium covers? Sure. Now, the CDC order will cover all tenants, lessees, or, or residents of residential property in the, in the country that are subject to eviction for non-payment of rent. So that's who that order covers. You know, there's also various state and county orders out there too, that if they're more uh, restrictive, you, you would follow that state or county order over the CDC. Or I say more restrictive, more beneficial, I guess, to the tenant. Right, right. More restrictive to the uh, owners. Yes. So the CDC moratorium has been out about three months and or it's been in place for about three months. And as I noted, it'll now be in place through the end of January. Share some of the impact that that, that moratorium sure. has had on public housing authority sure. owned properties and their tenants. Sure. So uh, yeah, that's a great question. And from my experience, the impact really depends on the PHA uh, because PHAs receive direct subsidy based on a tenant's income. So if a tenant lost their job because of COVID or because for whatever reason, the PHA that, that communicates well with their tenants and tenants that have a good communication channel with the PHA can let the PHA know that, hey, I lost my job and, and rent is going to be uh, a tough burden for me going forward. Well, the PHA can then go in there, recertify that tenant's income as lower, and then they would pay less rent and the PHA would get more subsidy. Really, you could be whole. As if, so if we're looking at subsidized apartments, section nine, section eight properties that a PHA administers or owns, tenants that lose their job or cannot pay rent, really there's an avenue for the public housing authority to recoup that rent. Now that's of course that they have a good communication channels with the tenant. If they wait six months, if the tenant waits six months to tell the PHA to recertify uh, my income, well then those opportunities can be lost. You know, occupancy rates are have unfortunately in, in a bad economy, occupancy rates in public housing is very strong. So rent delinquency, you know, yes, some people do try to game the system, but it's very minimal because tenants don't want to lose these apartments. There are waiting lists before COVID, and there's also waiting lists now after COVID for these apartments. Maybe you could share some of the concerns that affordable housing advocates have had about the eviction moratorium. But take the question however as you want, because we're in this transition period between the CDC eviction moratorium about to expire. Now it's been extended and there's this extra $25 billion of rental relief right. that's now in place that wasn't in place until yesterday. 
Sure. What I like to pair it, you know, there's direct rental assistance properties that I just talked about, and, and they really have an avenue to increase their rent. But a lot of affordable housing advocates were really worried about the lower income, moderate income, non-subsidized properties, uh, because there really was no direct rental assistance to those properties. So a lot of, you know, those property owners or the tenants really had to, you know, search through nonprofit providers, state providers of this rental assistance assistance to really to get help. And, it, and it's a little bit of a cumbersome process, a, a more of a cumbersome process than if HUD dispersed that money directly to a property. So that's, I think that's the biggest concern for affordable housing advocates. Yeah, that's certainly what uh, we've been ex- I've been experiencing myself in terms of talking to clients and the rest. Now that this $25 billion is available, uh, it should help a large number of properties with existing deferred rent and loss of revenue from a cash basis with respect to existing tenants right. that, that haven't been able to pay their rent. And we are planning on doing a webinar specifically on that $25 billion of rental assistance, which uh, needs to be allocated out to the states and local governments. And then within the state and local governments, then uh, be made available to cover uh, rent of tenants, principally low-income tenants. So we'll be doing a webinar more on that. So I won't press you for any more details on that. I'll listen to that <laughs> webinar, which will be coming up in the next few weeks. Let's maybe get back to public housing authorities more specifically. Uh, and as we all enter 2021, I was wondering if you could share with you know those of our listeners that are that work at public housing authorities or advise public housing authorities, what public housing authorities could be doing or should be doing to get ready as we enter 2021. Funding has always been a big issue with housing authorities. And a lot of executive directors that are in charge now were there seven, eight years ago when funding was pretty good at one time. They built up reserves and then sequestration and recapture came along and grabbed those public housing authority reserves. So these well-run housing authorities that worked within their budget, they built up some reserves, had them taken away back in 2011, 2012 in that, that time frame. And so a lot of those executive directors see, see something similar happen now in Congress now talking about budget cutbacks and things like that. Not this year, because actually the funding in 2021 with the bill the president signed yesterday is pretty good. PHAs are going to be happy with that. Section 8 funding, Section 9 funding is all a little bit better than 2020. And 2020 was a, was a fantastic year for funding. But there's been a ch- change in a minute. We're going to have a new president. Uh, the makeup of Congress is going to be a little different, and we'll see how different in, in the upcoming election. So PHAs want to do something to protect those reserves. And so that's really what a lot of them are focused on. And that's what we're helping our clients with. What can they do to protect those reserves so that HUD cannot come and recapture them? And the best way to do it, Mike, is to a RAD conversion. You're converting your public housing units out of a Section 9 program that is subject to HUD recapture, that is subject to those federal rules and regulations where really the money's not yours. You know, it's only yours to use. And you you can transfer into a project-based voucher through tax credits or through just through a, a subsidy swap. And those funds become non-federal and not subject to recapture from HUD. And so, you know, although the budgets have been good, PHAs have have been able to put away some money, put away, build up some reserves. They're very nervous now that, okay, in a couple of years, where are we going to be in a couple of years with the Biden administration? You know, if you have Democratic president and maybe a Republican Congress, are we going to be in the same spot that we were in 2011, 2012? So I think that's one of the biggest issues issues uh, going forward with public housing authorities. 
So as you look for the years ahead, would you say one of the key focuses is on protecting the reserves? Yes, absolutely. That's always the number one question I get when I'm at a board meeting is, okay, this is great. What what can we do with this money? We've built up this money. A lot of times I tell them, well, listen, you're in a public housing program. You really can't do much with it except leave it in your public housing program and use it for administering that program. But if we can get you to convert to RAD, let's get your, your capital needs. Let's get the capital needs study done. Let's look at what your RAD rents would be and let's move to that RAD conversion. Or if, if you're not comfortable doing the RAD conversion, let's look at, you know, how are you allocating your costs? Are, are you allocating your costs to the detriment of your public housing program or to the detriment of your non-federal programs? An appropriate cost allocation plan or a fee-for-service plan can really minimize the reserves in your public housing program. Now, that's uh, very helpful. And you talk about protecting reserves, maybe expand on, you know, for someone who's listening, thinking, well, sure. what does it mean to protect reserves in the, sure. in the public it, authority? So, so the way you can protect reserves, if reserves are in a federal program, they are subject to federal regulation and those program regulations. So at any time, that federal agency can theoretically tell you how to use those reserves. So they could, what's, so what happened in 2012 is HUD said, housing authorities that because of budget cutbacks, I know you built up those reserves, but we're not going to give you subsidy this year. We're going to have you use your reserves for subsidy. So what we try to do is we try to get those federal funds into a non-federal program, whether it be through cost allocation, whether it be through a RAD conversion, whether it be through some nuance of, of rules or regulations, that's the plan. Right. You know, that's the plan. That's the that's end result we, being that it's a way for the housing authorities to keep more, uh, do- yes. to have more dollars available to provide more housing for their kids. Right. And and to be able to utilize it in the best interest of your town, of your county, uh, to fulfill your mission. Because you can have all the reserves you need. Those reserves are in a federal program. You can't use them. You may not be able to use them the way you'd like. You know, maybe acquiring more housing, entering into a tax credit deal, doing project development. Uh, and so forth. So maybe we can get a little bit uh, parochial here as uh, we're both auditors and COVID-19 obviously has affected the auditing of public housing authorities. And I was just wondering what that process has looked like this year and whether or not there's any notable trends or things that have been learned maybe through the COVID-19 experience of auditing public housing authorities that maybe carry over into uh, what hopefully in the not too distant future will be a a post-COVID-19 period. You know, Mike, I've been auditing public housing authorities for 20 years since they converted to GAP in the year 2000. And I was nervous. I, you know, this shutdown came about in March. I didn't know how PHAs were going to handle it. And, and so far, I, I think it's, it's been very uh, a successful transition. Uh, we've done almost 100% of our audits virtually since, since March. And that's incredible when you think about the extensive compliance requirements for large public housing authority programs, the Section 8 program. You're talking as auditors, we're looking at tenant files and inspection reports and all those paper-rich <laughs> documents that we're thumbing through. And we've been able to, you know, we're lucky. At Novogratic, we have the latest uh, IT developments. We, we use secure portals and clients and housing authorities.
authorities are able to upload all that confidential information securely. So we're lucky there. We can provide that resource to our clients, but also the clients have to be able to download the information into the portal. And they've been doing a a great job getting us the required information uh, because it does put a lot of pressure on them uh, to, to get our audits completed. You know, we did as much work in 2020 as we did in 2019, as we did in 2018. So really COVID didn't impact us as far as being an auditor to, to housing authorities because of this technology. And, and P, I got to thank PHA personnel have been incredibly cooperative, flexible, you know, scanning information and providing us access to tenant files, which in many cases are online now. It's been a, a pretty good process. And I got to say, even some clients liked it so much, uh, they said, hey, next year, even if we're back to normal, can we still do the audit virtually? And a- as an auditor, we meet all our quality control. Uh, we can meet it virtually. So as long as if we can meet our requirements, we, we can do it virtually. Now that's you know great to hear. And it, it is just in so many ways, COVID-19 has forced all aspects of business uh, to uh, go online. And there's so many parts of that that will definitely continue uh, post the COVID-19 pandemic. So I want to I want to take this time to thank you for being a co-author of our Rad Handbook. You've uh, been a co-author in various editions. And I know the 2021 edition is in process. So can you share with us when the Novogratz 2021 edition of the Rad Handbook will come out? Uh, That will be out in mid-January, Mike. Great. And what are some of the updates in this new edition? We added a a new chapter on really a lot of accounting transactions, the the very complicated RAD transactions. We get a lot of inquiries on our website. You know, how do I transfer a project that we just converted from public housing to our business activity fund? And, you know, should I go free for service or cost allocation? You know, we just converted 100% of our public housing program. Can we still do our asset management fee for service model? Uh, those type of component unit reporting we talk about. Uh, you know, when you convert to RAD, many times you create all these new entities, uh, tax credit entities, nonprofit developers, nonprofit management companies. Uh, well, that impacts the financial reporting entity of the housing authority tremendously. Uh, you may have to, regardless of ownership percentage, a lot of housing authorities say, oh, you know, I only own 1% of that tax credit entity. Well, it still may meet the criteria for inclusion in your financial reporting entity. So a lot of housing authorities, a lot of a lot of CFOs didn't know that. You know, and one of the things we touch on too may sound simple, but changing fiscal years. A lot of housing authorities, when they create these tax credit entities, you know, they may have four or five tax credit entities that are December year ends and, and their housing authority is a junior end and they say, hey, you know what, let's make them all December because we'll have a consistency with our fiscal years. And why that sounds great, that may not be the best thing to do because that puts an incredible amount of stress on your finance department because now your housing authority audit and your tax credit audits have competing deadlines, which they didn't if you had a housing authority that had a June fiscal year, it would give you six months to get all that reporting done as opposed to having to do it within 45 days of year end. So we talk a lot about that, the practicality of RAD and and recording those transactions. It's it's a full chapter. I I am excited about it. I, I think it'll alleviate a lot of the stress of a lot of the CFOs and housing authorities. It sounds great. Thank you again for working on that edition. Now, I did mention earlier that you're the chairman of the Novogratz 2021 RAD Public Housing Virtual Conference. Can you provide some highlights of the conference? So we're going to have uh, Senator Mike Crapo of Idaho. He will be there. He will be the keynote speaker. Well, I say he will be there. It is a virtual conference, so he will be speaking. We're going to do a RAD report where we will provide the update and uh, the latest changes in the RAD program. We're going to have a, a, a RAD equity panel 
uh, experts talking about tax credits and RAD. I'm moderating a panel on transitioning your public housing agency to Section 8. We're going to be talking about COVID and considerations going forward. You know, combining RAD with tax credits, you know, low-income housing tax credits and historical tax credits. It's going to be a, a packed couple of days, a packed couple of sessions. Also appreciate you mentioning Senator Mike Crapo joining us because as you know, he is chairman right now of the Senate Banking Committee, and he's the he's, he's going to be the ranking Republican on the tax writing Senate Finance Committee next year. And I say the ranking Republican, because depending on how the elections go in Georgia, uh, Senator Crapo will either be the chairman uh, of that committee or the ranking member uh, of that committee. So he's definitely a senior Republican and a, a key player. And we're really pleased he's able to join us. Now, last year, as you know, the 2020 RAD conference was in Florida, and we do hope that in 2022, we can be back in Florida in person, but our 2021 conference is going to be 100% virtual due to all the obvious social distancing and safety guidelines. But I was wondering if for those listeners who haven't attended a virtual Novogratz conference yet, if you could share what they could expect from the virtual conference. Sure, sure. You know, as with the in-person Novogratic conferences, there was always a lot of networking opportunities, and we're going to still provide that with the virtual conference. You know, there are going to be rooms and, and plenty of opportunities to, to mingle and mix and, and meet public housing authority professionals, meet syndicators, investors, and, and so forth. So uh, we're excited about that. You know, we're going to have face-to-face mixer. We're going to have sessions where you can get into a, a deep dive on technical issues with experts. And, you know, if you really have some, some technical questions that you want to get some answers to, uh, you'll be able to do that. We're going to have a question and answer session with after each session. And also, you know, if you do happen to miss uh, a session, uh, you'll be able to access recordings from our website after the event. It'll be very, very great learning experience. Thank you for that. I, I would also just encourage our listeners that if uh, you haven't registered yet, please register for the event and please send your questions in advance. If you have them as you're working through, just shoot a quick email to cpas at novaco.com or to Rich or to me just saying, here's a question that I'd love to see covered in the course of the event. You know, more, more the better. And your point about the recordings of the event, I really find that an amazing feature of going virtual is having access to the recordings. I myself find myself going back and watching different sessions a second time and the rest. So it's really a nice feature to have that for the 90 days uh, after the event. So once again, it's a, it's a great value. And so, Rich, so here it is. You're leading our public housing authority practice. You're working on the RAD handbook. You're working on the conference uh, next month, but that's not enough. (laughs) (laughs) There's also the January issue of the Novak Journal of Tax Credits, which has a special theme on navigating public housing authority issues. So maybe you could share some of the highlights of that upcoming Novak Journal of Tax Credits. We have a couple of really very well-connected authors in, in the public housing industry that I'm, I'm really excited we got them to write. Uh, Robert Graham from the United States Virgin Islands Housing Authority has is, uh, is contributed an article on his housing authorities converting, utilizing RAD to convert their housing to Section 8 housing uh, and making it more hurricane resistance. As you know, they've gone through a couple hurricanes that really devastated the island. So there's some very interesting reading there. Victor Cirillo, the executive director of the Nork Housing Authority, uh, is one of the largest housing authorities in the country, uh, is going to be talking about how they uh, implemented CARES Act funding and what benefits they provided to their residents. We have Arlene Khan of FADA, the public housing director 
Teachers Association. Uh, she wrote an article on um, opportunities and challenges uh, utilizing tax credits. So I, I think it's going to be an informative issue. It's, it's a little different spin. We're focusing on public housing authorities. But with the conversion to RAD, a lot of these housing authorities are utilizing tax credits. Our investors that read our journal at Tax Credit Magazine, our syndicators, have been very, very interested in the operations of public housing authorities and, and what has been going on with housing authorities. I, I got to say, you know, the Newark Housing Authority is going to be looking to convert 100% of their public housing units over the next 10 years. So there's going to be huge opportunities there for investors and syndicators to get involved with a large housing authority in New Jersey. Great. I'm looking forward to reading that issue. And thanks for all your help in getting those experts to contribute to the journal. So I do have a non, well, I guess I don't know what your New Year's resolution is. So I can't say it's not related to public housing authorities, but as a closing question, what is your New Year's resolution? Uh, you know, the, 2020 was a tough year. I would really just like to get back to normal. I'd like to be able to go see my clients in person again, take them out to lunch, and most importantly, go watch my son play college baseball again. I, I miss that more than anything. This has been a tough year. I hope your resolution comes true and I hope it comes true <laughs> sooner than later. Uh, as you know, I, my son played college ball as well. So I, I missed those yes. <laughs> uh, years as well. And I actually, my daughter is going to be playing college softball eventually, hopefully, but she's not been able to play yet because of uh, COVID-19. So I, I think I share in your New Year's resolution. Oh, that's great. So thank you again, Rich, for uh, taking the time to chat. And once again, to our listeners, if you have any questions about HUD, RAD, the local housing tax credit or public housing authority issues, please contact Rich. I will include Rich's email in today's show notes, which can be found at www.novaco.com podcast. These show notes will also include a registration link to the RAD Public Housing Virtual Conference. And I also want to let you know that today is the last episode of Tax Credit Tuesday for the year. Uh, we'll be back on January 12th where we'll be discussing all things New Markets Task Credit related. We'll be discussing those with my partner, Nicola Panoli of Novogratz Portland, Oregon office. And Nicola is also chairman of the Novogratz upcoming New Market Task Credit Virtual Conference uh, in the third week of January, January 21 and 22, 2021 to be exact. And as uh, many of our listeners know, this bill that the president signed yesterday does also include a five-year extension of the New Market Task Credit at the $5 billion allocation level. So there'll be a lot to talk about in our podcast with Nicolo and at the New Market Task Credit Virtual Conference the third week of January. So with that, thank you again, Rich. Thank you, Mike. That's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived podcasts are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. You can find related links referenced in this podcast in our show notes at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast. Novogratik & Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.